All right, we're going to try something a little different today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rick Hogue. I am the managing partner of Hogue Law, business law firm in Northville, Michigan. And over the past uh, few months, I've had the great opportunity to talk about some of my passions in the law, in video games and elsewhere. And today was one of those days. Uh, so without further ado, um, let's take a look at... Uh, this tab here, which I will change it over to as soon as I get the chance, uh, which talks a little bit about some of the troubles that have befallen Bethesda and Fallout 76. So those of you who don't know uh, very well, Fallout 76 is the latest Bethesda-driven Fallout game. But unlike their previous entries, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, which were single-player role-playing games, this is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Uh, which means for purposes of this discussion uh, that it's a consistently connected video game that requires uh, a lot of infrastructure and a lot of support from Bethesda in order to operate correctly. Uh, and in the last few weeks, really the last couple of days, uh, Bethesda has, as the title of this article says, come under fire uh, for the Fallout 76 bugs that have been uh, influencing people's ability to play the game. Uh, and the lack of Bethesda giving refunds, or at least readily giving refunds to those that are playing it. Um, so earlier this morning, Sam Desitoff, uh, who's a reporter at Game Daily Biz and who I befriended on Twitter uh, and have befriended some of his colleagues and some folks that work in and around the, the journalistic industry for video games, uh, contacted me and asked me about this. It asked me if Bethesda was obligated to give refunds uh, or whether they were just fine saying that no, no refunds are required because the game maybe doesn't work entirely like we thought it would, but it mostly works. Uh, and you can see here in the subheading uh, for what this article is called, there is no legal reason for Bethesda and ZeniMax to offer refunds uh, that I was fairly critical of those calling for, for refunds, specifically just because Fallout 76 maybe isn't meeting their uh, critical criteria for what they wanted out of a Fallout game. Now, as a lawyer, I tend to say no legal reason is maybe a little bit more absolute than I would like, maybe one or two notches more absolute than I would like. But in general, the concept is sound, and it is what I discussed with Sam. So the purpose of this video is to talk a little bit about this article that Sam put together and then to dive a little bit deeper into the actual text of the Bethesda EULA to really kind of talk about what a lawyer sees, what I see when I'm looking at a contract like that and I'm evaluating it either before the fact between two entities and whether or not it should be drafted in a different way to cover certain circumstances or after the fact when someone's come to me and they've got a problem. And we're deciding whether we need to put together a demand letter, we, we need to refer the matter to a litigator, or proceed along some other avenue. And so that's the purpose of this video. Like all of my other videos or other entries on the internet or otherwise, tweets are not legal advice, blog posts are not legal advice, YouTube video entries are not legal advice. Please, if you've got a legal problem, the facts are what matters the most. Consult a local attorney, consult someone that you trust, these videos are for information purposes only and for education so that we can all get a better understanding of the, the myriad network of contracts that make up our lives, including all those many contracts that we click through so readily when we're playing our favorite video game or maybe using an app on our iPhones or, or elsewise. So without further ado, let's take a look at this article. Uh, and as uh, uh, Sam discusses, the nature of this is that 
Fallout 76 is a much lower rated video game than the previous entries in Fallout. I think those are averaging on Metacritic in the 80s, and I think this one right now is in the 50s. Uh, and so uh, he says, in the wake of this negative reception, many consumers are seeking refunds on the grounds that Fallout 76 is unplayable, but have met with difficulties parsing Bethesda's refund policy. Now, there's a lot that's going on there. Uh, but overall, when I give the advice that you'll see later on in this article, what I'm talking about is notions of uh, relatively normal bugs. Uh, even Bethesda uh, has uh, limits on that, of course. But for the most part, even a bad bug is something that doesn't make the computer blow up or doesn't make it uh, unable to execute the application. Those are kind of different circumstances. And some of what these uh, lawyers that we're going to read about in just a second are talking about is a notion that the product that was delivered isn't anything like what was promised. And that's a tough uh, a tough hurdle to clear. Uh, and it's possible that they, they could clear it, uh, but I think it's tremendously unlikely, which is what I talked to Sam about here. Um, so now he describes... A Washington, D.C.-based law firm is investigating Bethesda and its method of obliging refund requests. The legal basis on which Bethesda would be forced to offer refunds is a confusing mess of jargon and varies from country to country. In an effort to clear things up, Game Daily reached out to Richard Hogue of Hogue Law in Northville, Michigan, that's me, to find out if consumers are within their legal rights to demand a refund. In short, Hogue said that due to the online agreement accepted by Fallout 76 players, Bethesda and its owners, NMX Media, are under no obligations to offer refunds. I think what I actually said was very likely not obligated to offer refunds, but will uh, allow some journalistic discretion. In general, software is not sold to users. It is licensed, which is a very important point when we're talking about software in general. You buy a disc, you buy a box, something in a store, you tend to think of it as yours. And to the extent that you have the box in your possession or the artwork that makes up the instruction book or the disc itself. Those things generally are yours, but the program that is imprinted on that disc is only licensed to you. Uh, and so that's the way software works around the world, but certainly in the United States. And because of that, the, the companies that make these software programs can affix a number of contract terms to your use of that uh, software. It's not yours. You're, you're essentially agreeing that you're allowed to use what is someone else's. Uh, and so because of that, as I say in this article, use of any software is subject to the terms of the licensing contract. Uh, these terms are usually dubbed the terms of service or an end user license agreement. It doesn't much matter what they're called. What we're talking about when we talk about terms of service or end user license agreement is the document or documents that convey a license to the software that you seek to use to you. Uh, and then the big highlighted option here from Sam, licenses are deemed to have accepted the terms of the license contract when they click through or otherwise acknowledge such application. It would be very difficult for any given user to force a refund if the company does not wish to give it. And, and that is based on a more thorough reading of what I can see in the ZeniMax EULA and what we're going to go into in just a second. He also gives a disclaimer, just like I gave at the beginning of this video. This isn't legal advice. This is for information purposes only. And then the next couple paragraphs talk a little bit about some of the language we will see in the Bethesda EULA, which says uh, jurisdictions outside the U.S. are maybe not as liberal in terms of free uh, in their allowance of discretion for what terms a contract can contain. So in the U.S., we have very strong freedom of contract provisions that allow people to contract for most things. So uh, as long as they're not outright fraud or outright bad actors 
or against some other public policy prescription that the federal government or the state governments might provide for. A number of other jurisdictions have a strong freedom of contract approach, but not as strong. And they have provisions in their statutes and laws that say, okay, you can mostly contract for whatever it is that you want to have happen in your relationship with this other party, but you can't do X, Y, and Z. And some of those things are you can't ban refunds. You can't say that a, that a piece of software or any other product doesn't have any representations or warranties attached to it. You have to have some limits on what that is. And so even in the Zenimax EULA that we're about to look at, you have these provisions that say, okay, this applies to everybody, but if you're in these specific locations like Switzerland, Russia, Japan, Europe, uh, these maybe don't apply to you to the extent that they would violate your local laws. And if they do violate your local laws, then this contract should be read to be limited or reduced to whatever is allowable in your jurisdiction. And that's a very standard way of approaching this. The last paragraph of this article talks about the difference between contracts and behavior. And it's a commentary I have with a lot of my clients, which is the, the contract terms are setting the boundaries of the engagement. They're setting what you have to do. They're setting what the other party has to do or is prohibited from doing. They don't set what you can do within that broad swath of behaviors that are permitted, but not obligated. And so when I read a EULA, when I, when I describe some of this for something somebody like Sam, I come out with a legal uh, opinion of the matter, not, not legal advice, but an opinion of my reading of the document that says, okay, they don't have to do this thing, uh, but it doesn't mean that they won't, and it doesn't mean that it's not a good business or strategic idea. If there is a loud enough audience that gets angry enough about what Fallout 76 is doing, or it's broken enough that it really isn't meeting even the kind of baseline description of what one might expect from the product, then it might make sense to, for Bethesda or ZeniMax to offer refunds or to offer uh, whatever the Fallout credits are uh, and try to get people back on their side. The difficulty with something like that is always that it has the tendency to open up the floodgates. If you give uh, certain refunds to certain parties, then when everybody else comes and asks for those things, where are you going to set the line? And a good lawyer, a good business counsel for a company like Zenimax or Bethesda is going to be concerned about making sure that there is a difference between the people that we say yes to and the people that we say no to so that we can quantify and justify our actions after the fact. Uh, and one thing they might do if they decide to go forward with some kind of refunds is set some kind of hourly limit. You see that on Steam, you see that in some countries' laws, where if you've played for X amount of hours, then you're no longer entitled to a refund because we are pretty sure the thing works. It's just that you either finished it too fast or you're regretting the purchase decision that you want the refund for. And that's not something that Bethesda or Zenimax really wants to compensate for. They'd be more concerned about trying to limit it to people that really have broken experiences and maybe didn't play it for more than 20 minutes or a half hour. Um, so with that all being said, let's click over to the Zenimax Bethesda Terms of Service as soon as I click this button. And we can talk about legalese jargon and how these things impact the way you look at your relationships with these companies. Uh, so the first thing that's important to note here is this is the ZeniMax Media Terms of Service. This is a blanket document that is said to apply to uh, all services and games and content and downloadable uh, materials that ZeniMax provides generally or through its Bethesda.net service. Uh, and, and so 
One thing I can't say is that this is the exact document that users are faced with when they open up Fallout 76. It's very likely materially similar, but I didn't purchase Fallout 76. To be frank, I'm more of a single player gamer. I enjoyed Fallout 3. I enjoyed Fallout 4 a little bit less, uh, but Fallout 76 was just never in my wheelhouse. I, I hope many people are having a great time with it, but as soon as they said there weren't NBCs, there weren't quests, uh, and it was all going to be multiplayer with with your buddies creating camps and dealing with survival mechanics. It just it just wasn't my speed, so I didn't buy that game. I'm not looking at exactly what a user has to click through in order to install that game or play that game, but chances are that whatever Zenimax and Bethesda have put together in that context mirrors or refers back to these terms of service that we can find on their website, which is at Bethesda.net, and and I'll put a link in this video. Um, but we can see here that there are many, many standard legal protections that Zenimax affords itself in order to avoid exactly the circumstance that we're talking about today, which is people coming back and saying, we want our money back because this thing isn't exactly how we wanted it. So we're going to go forward a little bit here. You can see that this is a very long document. We're going to open this a little bit bigger, see if we can't get uh, a little bit more language in here. Um, the first thing that we see here is the defined terms. So these are often at the top of contracts and it's important for what we're talking about. We're not gonna go through every word of this. We're not gonna go through every provision of this because that doesn't make sense and it would be a fairly boring video. But in order to understand what we're about to see, we need to understand how they're defining these terms right here. So ZeniMax offers a range of services on PC, Mac, iOS devices, consoles, and mobile devices, including but not limited to access to content. For the most part, that's downloadable content or contact created, content created by the players themselves. And that's defined later on, but we're going to skip over that because it's not as important to the discussion we're having. Games and other products or services that you install or play, including but not limited to ZeniMax's computer and console entertainment software games, collectively games. So we're going to see a lot of references to the term services and your initial instinct is going to be, well, that's not Fallout 76. Fallout 76 isn't a service, it's a game. But the way lawyers can do things in these licenses and in these agreements is that they can define terms to mean something that isn't exactly intuitive. So in this case, when we talk about capital S services, we're including Fallout 76, the game, as well as the content that goes with the game. That might be uh, whatever the Fallout currency is that you use to, to buy with real cash money, to, to buy uh, aesthetics uh, or anything else in the game. And those all go under the bucket of services. And lawyers do this so that we can refer to one thing throughout the document and not get lost among the weeds of what's software, what's games, what's content, et cetera. So every time we see the word services here, that's going to refer to Fallout 76 and, and what we're concerned about. Um, so the next big item is we're going to go down to section six. So this is the defined terms. It's talking about services. Here's the defined terms. It's talking about content. Here's the limited license to use. This is the actual operative provision. This, this provision says here, we ZeniMax are licensing you the right to use Fallout 76, but only in the right that, that we say it's a generalized right, but it, but it basically boils down to you can't steal our intellectual property, you can't do weird things with it, all the things that you would expect. You can't remove our copyright terms, uh, you can't copy it to somewhere else, you can't pirate the game and sell, uh, and sell it to other people or make it available for their use. Beta tests, uh, again, a kind of standard provision, we can run beta tests, we might give you access to those, we might not. Uh, some of the stuff that we do might require additional fees. 
this is like Elder Scrolls Online a couple years back, had a monthly fee. And so they have a number of additional provisions that say, here's how you pay those, here's who they're paid to. Uh, if we dove deep into here, you would see that there's no refund of fees that have already been paid, regardless of the fact that you're not happy with what you've got. And now we come to section six, which is availability, game maintenance, patches, updates, and termination of the services. So we've got a couple of interesting provisions here, and they're important to note when we are talking about what it is that they have promised to give to a user of their services. So ZeniMax does not guarantee that any services will be available at all times. So Fallout can go down for a couple days and uh, while you can be unhappy with it and, and they can apologize for it on Twitter, it's not a contractual obligation that they keep it up. Uh, in all countries and all geographic locations at any given time, or that ZeniMax will continue to offer any particular services for any particular length of time. Fallout 76 is a bust. You get an article in Variety or Kotaku next year that says we're taking down the Fallout 76 servers. You don't have an actionable claim. And at the, at the baseline, I think users of these video games expect that, but we also expect a certain good faith uh, effort from the companies to keep them up as long as might be reasonable to try to extract some of that value they've received from us in exchange for our payments. But again, at the border lines, they're not contractually obligated to keep it up. They could take it down tomorrow if they saw fit. Um, they reserve the right to change and update content without notice to you. Uh, they reserve the right to refuse your request to acquire content, to just say no. Um, ZeniMax may patch, update, or modify a service at any time with or without notice to you. So they can change their goods. You know you know this is patch days, or we're going to take this server down for maintenance. But regardless of their ability to do that, and this is the important part, notwithstanding the foregoing, ZeniMax has no obligation to make available any patches, updates, or modifications or correct any errors or defects in the services. So let's just go over that one more time. ZeniMax has no obligation to correct any errors or defects in the services. What we're talking about here, and we're gonna see this language a little bit later on, is a service, a product, a piece of software that is provided on what we would call an as-is basis. They make no promises that it does basically anything that they've claimed for it to do, and they have no obligation to fix things under their contract. So that's different, again, from what they might decide to do from a business strategy perspective, but under their contract, they have no obligation to do these things. Um, and that's, that's kind of the general flavor of this section six, is we can do things to your software, we can try to fix things, we can terminate accounts, we can get you for violating our terms of service, but at the end of the day, we are under no obligation to do any of these things or to help fix things for you. And that's, again, a standard way for a corporation or another commercial contract party to put these things in their contract, to say, here's this thing, you're only paying us $60, this isn't a $500,000 contract, so we're gonna present it to you in a way that limits our liability. Uh, moving on from there, uh, you see we've got other restrictions on use of services, uh, links that might happen to websites, whether that's Bethesda.net or, or otherwise, and then the two sections that are of primary importance to us here, they appear in almost every contract. There's a disclaimer of warranties and there's a limitation of liability. And as you can see here, limited remedies of which you will find them to be very limited. So the general nature of the disclaimer of warranty has already kind of been alluded to up above in respect of what obligations they do or don't have. 
but right here we see Zenimax, its licensors and resellers do not make any representations, warranties, or guarantees. And for those of you not familiar, representations and warranties are essentially promises about how a product that's been sold or licensed is going to act. Um, so perhaps in an ideal world, from a user's perspective, we would have some kind of representation here that says it does what it says on the tin. Uh, that the software will perform in accordance with the rough specifications that we've provided or, or as described in the instruction book or something along those lines. Uh, but for a vendor that doesn't have an obligation to really negotiate a contract with you, this is very standard language. You get what we give you and you're not allowed to complain about it. Uh, if you are not satisfied with the quality, functionality, availability, accessibility, or performance of a service, if you don't like what Fallout 76 does, you may cancel your account or your subscription or membership to the service. And here we get the defined term doesn't make a ton of sense in respective games. But for the most part, membership to the service is probably the best analog to what we're talking about with respect to Fallout 76. In other words, you can stop playing it if you don't like it. And again, as much as it might pain you, this is a standard bit of language for these kinds of contracts. It says, hey, we're giving you this thing. It's only 60 bucks. You can't scuttle our entire corporate operation for problems here. Uh, but uh, you can stop playing it if it really, really bothers you. Uh, as noted in the terms of service above, and we, we kind of passed it a little bit in respect of fees, you will not be entitled to receive a refund of the fees for the service unless applicable law subject to the statutory obligations requires a refund be given. Uh, we skipped over this a little bit as well, but the statutory obligations are a reference to those specific areas that might have refund requirements. So we think of this as Europe, Switzerland, Russia, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, etc., that have in their statutory code certain uh, obligations of the provider of services or software to give refunds in certain circumstances. Uh, and we see this kind of mirrored in, in what we see in Steam, hourly limits, perhaps some other qualifications. It also prohibits uh, people like Zenimax or Bethesda from entirely exempting themselves from warranties. So there might be some statutory warranties that apply, even though there aren't any contractual warranties that apply. And again, I'm a, I'm a United States lawyer. I'm a Michigan lawyer to be precise. And so I don't have a great deal of uh, specific uh, understanding of, of Europe, Switzerland, Russia, and the rest of these countries. Uh, but we do know that these are areas where there are these statutory rules and you could have additional rights here. So if Bethesda or Zenimax is going to get in trouble, it's very likely to be in those locations much more than the United States. Um, and we see that's the basics uh, of Section 11. When we get to limitation of liability down here, uh, we're really talking about a couple of things. First, uh, you agree that your sole and exclusive remedy uh, will, uh, sorry about that. You agree that your sole and exclusive remedy for any dispute with Zenimax or its licensors or resellers arising out of or relating to these terms of service or any service is to stop using or accessing the service and cancel your account subscription or membership. Again, your remedy is to stop using the thing you bought. And that's what you've agreed to when you sign the EULA for Bethesda Zenimax products and when you click through. Further, if for some reason that's not good enough and you have a, a statutory claim or you, or you come to them and you've got some other argument that you shouldn't be limited solely to, to canceling your membership, uh, in no case shall the aggregate cumulative liability of Zenimax or its affiliates, licensors, licensee, content providers and distributors, resellers, and their respective employees, officers, directors, shareholders, contractors, agents, or vendors, collectively Zenimax affiliates, everybody associated with the company, 
In no case shall the aggregate liability of these folks for damages to you arising out of these terms of service exceed 100 US dollars. So that's good enough for a refund for a standard $60 purchase. It may be not good enough if you're buying a collector's edition at $250 or, or whatnot. I, I know the Pip-Boy versions were sold for Fallout 4. I'm not sure what, if any, collector's editions they had for uh, Fallout 76. <clears throat> but you see, this is a combo package that basically says, under the contract terms, you don't have any rights to a refund. And even if you fight us, uh, you're capped at $100. Uh, furthermore, we get to section 15 that talks about dispute resolution. And this binds folks that are involved with these terms of service, purchasers of Fallout 76, particularly those that don't live in Maryland. So the, the, the software crossed state lines, which is a constitutional requirement, that they are going to be covered by uh, the Federal Arbitration Act. And, and so you've got to go through arbitration if you want to have a dispute with Zenimax. And further, that you have to waive your right to any class action and you have to waive your right to a jury trial. <clears throat> and those are broadly permitted because the US federal government in the Arbitration Act has put very strong protections for arbitration agreements, which is what this is once there's an arbitration provision within it. And it's why you see the class action waiver and the jury waiver and some other things tied to the arbitration uh, component to try to get under that federal umbrella. So. With that all being said, we look at what Zenimax has in these terms and conditions, and we see the world as Zenimax sees it, then for the most part, they're saying, we're providing users with a license to play a game. Because of its relatively small price, we're providing it as is with no particular warranty and no obligation to correct defects in the software. If users have a problem, we won't provide refunds, and your sole remedy is to stop playing. And if users continue to have a problem with that, they can seek to arbitrate, but are not entitled to a class action. Which brings us back to the main issue here in the article that we're talking about, which is that now a Washington, D.C.-based law firm is investigating and are seeking to make a class action lawsuit claim against ZeniMax Media. Under the terms of the contract, that's completely forbidden. So they have to put together a claim that says that Fallout 76 isn't just kind of a standard failure of a company, that that it's not just normal bugs that people are dealing with, but that the software that was delivered by Bethesda and ZeniMax is so different than what was promised that they have the right to go outside the bounds of the contract and seek what lawyers would call equitable relief. And equity in this case just means that the law, the courts, have a kind of broad discretion to look outside a contract that is fundamentally unfair or against public policy and say, we know what the words say, we know what everybody's agreed to, but this is so unfair that the courts need to do something about it. And in the United States, that's a very, very high bar to clear. And in my opinion, at this point in time, we're not looking at anything that I've seen that suggests that these folks in Washington, D.C. or elsewhere would have the ability to clear that bar. Uh, there are certainly different states that might have different rules, uh, but they've got a number of problems in making their claim. And there's no legal reason in the contracts for Bethesda and ZeniMax to offer refunds at this point in time based uh, solely on U.S. law and, and the way the contracts read. Again, there might be other jurisdictions that have different obligations, but right now we're looking at 
some pretty spurious claims and some lawyers in Washington, D.C. Uh, that may, may or may not be looking to, uh, to make money on this without a lot of, of legal backing right now. Uh, again, that's all said with the disclaimers that I'm not looking at the facts on the ground. I'm not talking to these people that the Washington, D.C.-based law firm have talked to. It's possible there might be deeper concerns or, or bigger issues with the software application that they might be able to bring to the table. But certainly with everything that's been reported as of right now, it looks like a kind of standard spurious claim that probably won't form a class or will get kicked out pretty quickly by Zenimax's lawyers uh, or by a Bethesda team or, or someone else involved on their side of things. Um, so with all that being said, I hope this was at least lightly educational and informational. Uh, please check out my other videos on this channel for uh, other kind of legal discussions as well as discussions of uh, video games uh, and, and things related to video games with the Easy Allies and the Help Us Out Hoag segments. Uh, and a lot of talk about Michigan football, Michigan sports uh, on some radio broadcasts that I do, which unfortunately uh, ended pretty poorly this last Saturday for those of you that are college football fans. Uh, but my sincere hope is that uh, there are brighter days ahead for the Michigan Wolverines, go blue, and that I can make this video series a, a continuing part of, uh, of what I do. Uh, so again, check out those links and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>